to the uh, Gospel of John. It's the fourth Gospel, the Gospel of John, and uh, turn to verse uh, chapter 13. John 13, 34, this is the verse that we read at the beginning and that uh, we'll be focusing on today. A famous one where he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Again, this is the second of our six-week focus on loving one another, what we're calling 40 Days of Love. And today I'd like to focus on how Jesus loved us. That you love one another even as I have loved you. You see up there on the screens a picture, and today you might say we're going to practice seeing people through the eyes of Jesus. Remember the saying, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus see? At Iron Hour this week, we asked that question. I said, what would Jesus do? Think about your wife. What would it mean to love your wife like Jesus loves her? What would it mean to love your husband like Jesus loves him or your brother or your sister or your friend or your father or your mother? What would it mean? We talked about the four most important ways in which we're to love like Jesus loves us. And today I'd like to flesh them out. And as I do, I'd, I'd like you to call to mind someone who maybe you feel like you need to love a little bit more. Someone that God is calling you to, to pursue with this thing of love as we go through 40 days in a way that would deepen your love with them. Just try to call them to mind. Do it right now. And get them firmly in mind. And um, uh, pretend you're looking at them like that. Like the picture you see up on the screens. Got it? Okay, let's get into it. How does Jesus love? Four ways. First, He accepts us. How are we supposed to love? Four ways. First, we're to accept them. Accept other people like He accepts you. You can't give what you've not received. And so, let's receive something a bit before we get into it. Close your eyes again and imagine that this is Jesus talking to you as you listen to His Word. God promises His Word won't return void if we really focus on it. So, let it sink in. John 6.37 The Father gives me my people. Every one of them will come to me and I will always accept them. Psalm 27.10 Even if my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will accept me. Titus 3.7 Jesus treated us much better than we deserved. He made us acceptable to God and gave us the hope of eternal life. Now bring that person to mind again. Romans 15.7 Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. You know, followers of Jesus, if you think about it, ought to be really, if they really knew what they're getting into and what they've got in their hearts, they ought to be the most accepting people in the world. And that's what we most need in a lot of ways. It's the opposite of what life oftentimes dishes up to us. The fact is that the deepest wounds you've ever had in your life, bar none, are the wounds of rejection. 
opposite of acceptance. Those are the things that hurt you most. When you've been rejected, when someone puts you down, when you feel you know, betrayed, when you've maybe been bullied as a kid or belittled, maybe you've been told that you are worthless by a parent. Or they didn't say it, but that's what you felt from them. Or, uh, and never, nothing is ever going to uh, become of you. Those rejections are wounds that oftentimes go the deepest. We've all been wounded by parents, by peers, you know, uh, in the playground, by spouses, by former spouses, by people we work for, by co-workers. Everybody experiences rejection in life. And often we spend, therefore, as a result of that, most of our lives trying to avoid it. In fact, most of what you do, likely, is a combination of trying to be accepted by other people and of uh, trying to avoid rejection. It affects even the kinds of clothes we wear, right? Some of you can relate to that. You don't want to be rejected. It affects the way maybe you style your hair. It affects the kind of car you drive, maybe. Or the career that you chose. Or how you relate to other people. Everything in life is touched in some way by the fear that says, I don't want to be rejected. The desire that says, I need to be accepted. That people will do crazy, crazy things in order to be accepted. Have, have you ever noticed this? Remember when you were a kid and uh, they dared you to do something that was really maybe a little bit foolish, but, uh, but you wanted to fit in and they'd say, I dare you to do this, and you really didn't want to do it, but if you, you knew if you didn't, you'd probably be rejected. You wanted to be accepted. You wanted to be in the group, so you did it anyway. Some kids have been killed on such dares. <laughs> There's a myth out there that if I could just be perfect, everybody would love me. And maybe you've not put it to words, but oftentimes it's there in spirit. If I could just be perfect, if I ne never did anything wrong, even um, if I'm imperfect, if I don't show my, my imperfections, then everybody's going to love me and nobody's going to uh, reject me and uh, everybody's going to accept me. Friends, brothers and sisters... That's just wrong. Ain't ever going to happen. Jesus was perfect, right? The epitome of perfection, and He was crucified. So it's a fool's errand to try to get people to accept you. No matter what you do. I hate to tell you this, but no matter what you do, somebody's not going to like you. No matter what you do, someone's going to disagree with you. Somebody's going to reject you. So the starting point in learning to love other people is you have to realize how much God accepts you. That's the foundation. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord. I told the Iron Hour men that I had a pretty good, pretty good self-confidence the day that Julie chose to love me. And the day she accepted my proposal. She had to pray three days about it, and I sweat bullets for all those three days. But when she did, I was in seventh heaven. I, I told the men, uh, you know, out of all the men on the earth, she chose me. And what I said to the men is, too bad for you guys. And I really feel that. She chose me, and that makes my spirit sore. She looked at me and she said, that, guy, that guy's a hunk of burning love. You know? And that makes my confidence sore. And when God chooses you, we, when He chooses us, it makes our confidence soar. At least when we first believe. You say, you say, wait a minute, God chose me? Yeah. He chose you. God says, I accept you. If you accept my Son, that's all you need to do. 
I'll accept you just like I accept the only begotten Son of God. That's how strong my love is for you. I love you. I created you. I sent Jesus to die for you. I chose you. I, I put my spirit, my Holy Spirit in you. Unbelievable. You matter to me. So it really doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, right? God likes me, and I like me, and if you don't like me, what's your problem? That's where confidence comes from. Not by listening to the approval of other people, but by listening to what God says about you. Foundation. So building on that, what's the point? Well, what God does for you, He expects you to do for others. God says, I accept you unconditionally. I don't approve of everything that you do, right? He's not just this grandfather in the sky who winks at the good and the bad. That's not a truly loving God. There are things I disapprove of, but I accept you unconditionally. I love you. And, and God says, I want you to do that with everyone in your life. And you now have the resources to do it. Because you've made life contact with me. Romans 15, 7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. He says, you're to do for other people what I have done for you. How do you do it? Well, one of the ways you show acceptance to other people is just to maybe listen to them. Like your kids or your wife. Another way to do it is maybe you can, as you listen to them, look at them. The, the, one of the highest forms of love is concentrated attention. When I look you in the face, eye to eye, uh, gaze to gaze, I'm saying, you matter to me. You are valuable to me. Love looks. Love listens. How do you accept people? Well, the Bible says in Romans 5 too, we must bear the burden of being considerate of the doubts and fears of others. Everybody, everybody's got doubts and everybody's got fear. I do and you do. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but my fears are perfectly rational and reasonable and yours are totally stupid. Well, of course that's not true, but that's the way we sometimes act. When, you know, when you're afraid of something and I go, how could you be afraid of that? My, my fears, you know, they make a whole lot of sense. But yours are stupid. When I, when I say that or imply that or that's in my heart and my spirit, I, it means I don't accept you. Men, when your wife is afraid of something, you shouldn't go, that's dumb. Most of you have probably already learned that. That's, that, that's dumb to say that's dumb. That means you don't accept her. Or when your kids are, you know, afraid of something and you, and you, don't, and you don't value that, you don't treat it with value, you, you say what you're saying when you say, I, you shouldn't be afraid of that. You're not valuing them because it's their fears. You're not accepting them. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you who cares about all our fears. Cast all your anxieties on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. doesn't say you shouldn't have those anxieties. Loving like Jesus loved means I accept other people the way Jesus accepts me. But secondly, loving like Jesus means I value other people the way Jesus values me. Let me tell you how worthwhile and valuable you are to Him. You are really infinitely valuable. 
faithful to Him. First, God created you. Second, He sent His Son, His only begotten, who He was with through eternity to die for you. What does that say about you? Third, He put His Spirit in you again. And fourth, He wants you to be with Him forever and ever and ever. I don't know of anyone, truth be told, that I feel like that all the time. I'd rather they be dead sometimes. You are infinitely valuable to God. He's the one that died. And you're alive. Jesus said this in Luke 12, Are not five sparrows sold for two small coins? Yet not one of them has escaped the notice of God. And then He says, Even the hairs on your head are numbered. Now you might not think He cares because a whole lot of them go down the drain, right? When you take a shower. But He does care. Do not be afraid. You are far more worthwhile than many sparrows. He says, if God thinks the sparrows are valuable, how much more valuable are you because He sent His Son to die for you? Didn't die for a sparrow. So value others as He values you. And how do you do that? Well, 1 Peter 2.17 says, treat most people you meet with dignity. No, I'm sorry, I misread that. Treat everyone you meet. Sorry about that. That's what. <laughs> treat everyone. You meet with dignity. That means everybody. I, I looked up the word everyone in the Greek, and you know what it means? It's right from the Greek. It means everyone. It means there's no one you're, not, you're allowed not to treat with dignity. That's why in the benediction, this is so important that it's always in the benediction, honor all men. That's love. Even the people you disagree with. And we in the Christian right need to get a grip of this. Honor all men, everyone with dignity. How do you do that? Well, there are a couple ways. One, as I've said, by just looking at, looking at them and listening to them. Looking and listening as a way of treating people with dignity. What does it mean? Well, being polite to people. Which shows them respect. Courtesy, a lost value in our country. From the Senate all the way down to the grassroots. It's the old-fashioned value of courtesy, treating people with dignity. Maybe like, say, opening the door for your wife. Cameron decided to do that at the high school about a year ago. He opened the door for the girls. And they couldn't believe it. They loved it. So now he's doing it all the time. No, he's not. He just went... Loving like Jesus means I accept other people the way Jesus accepts me. It means I value other people the way Jesus values me. And third, loving Jesus means, and I'm sorry about this, but it's here in the Bible, it means I forgive other people like Jesus forgives me. You know, I heard about a guy last week who had a real problem because it's like in one day, everything fell apart in his life. On a single day, his wife walked out on him. His kid got suspended from school uh, for drugs and he got fired and he wrecked his car. And so he gets out of the car and he looks up to heaven and says, Why me, God? Why me? Why me? And he hears this voice from heaven that says, Because some people just tick me off. Now, we know he wouldn't say that, but sometimes we feel like that's the way he acts towards us, given our, the way our father acted toward us or whatever. 
That's not him. God does not carry grudges. All, all the payment for all the, the stuff that, you, that you've done wrong, Jesus took it on the cross. You don't have to pay for it. Jesus paid for it. And God says, I want you to learn to forgive others. Don't make them pay for it. But isn't that our instinct? Just listen to these verses, maybe with your eyes closed. This is God speaking to you. Isaiah 43, verse 25. I am the God who forgives your sins. And I do this because of who I am. I will not hold your sins against you. Romans 8.1 There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.13 You must make allowance for each other's faults. As a result of that forgiveness, what do we do? You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Matthew 8.13 Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? You know, when I look at myself in the mirror, it's so easy to see maybe just the ugliness. I see the selfishness. I see the sin. And there are people in my life who like to point that out. Some in the past more than they perhaps ought to have done that. But when I turn from that to take a good look at God, a good look, I see the forgiveness that only He can give and that I cannot expect fully from other people. When I get that forgiveness in my life, I'm then able, more a little more anyway, to give it to other people in their lives. I'm able to forgive others because I know that He's forgiven me. So, who is there this week that you might need to forgive? Maybe it's the person you called to mind at the beginning of the service. Somebody who's hurt you. Somebody that you may have been hurt by. And so you go up to them uh, this week and you say, I know we've not talked for a long time, but let's get this going again. Let's connect again. Here's what you did or said made me feel. And you may have not intended it that way, but our relationship is more important than all of that. So let's just talk it through and then move on. If you're going to become... A world-class lover, you begin to accept people the way God accepts you and to value people the way God values you and to forgive people the way God forgives you. And then, finally, I must believe in others like God believes in me. In fact, you know, everyone has insecurities. Everybody. If you think you don't have insecurities, you're either in denial or you're lying. I believe that's true. In fact, I've discovered that even more successful people, the more successful they become, the more insecure they become. They, they've actually done surveys of very rich people, and overall, they're far more afraid of losing it than poor people. I read an article the other day on NFL football players, and you wouldn't believe how insecure they are. When, if something goes wrong, they're cratered. If they do something right, they want to hear an attaboy. They're always thinking about how they're performing. And I don't blame them. I mean, the whole nation's watching you. You think these guys are above that? We're all like that. Studies have shown that the younger you were when you first experienced rejection, the more, the more serious it, it becomes in your life. It, it's almost like a curse. 
on you when a parent says to you, you're not going to amount to anything. And you carry that with you. Those words become a curse in your heart. You don't matter. So how do you reverse that? How do you reverse a curse? Well, you start believing by what Jesus says about you instead of believing what other people say about you. And when you do that, you can then do it to others. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, if you love someone, you'll be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him. Always expect the best of him. And always stand your ground in defending him. That's what God wants us to do to us. Exactly what Jesus did. He affirmed people around him. Jesus looked at people and he didn't see them for what they were. He died for us because he was loving us for what he knew we would become with his kind of love. Ultimately, the bride, the spotless bride of Christ, with him forever through all eternity, he believed in us that by his power that could happen to us. He saw what they could become. He saw their potential. He saw their growth. He saw what God intended them to be, though they were very, very fallen. He, he brought out the best in people, not by labeling them, but by saying, essentially, I believe in you. It's all over the place in the New Testament. I know you can do it. In fact, someday I'd like, I'd like to do a study on how many times Jesus said this. You can do it. I believe in you. I know you can. Nothing will be impossible. If you trust me, I'll get my spirit inside of you. I'll put him there. And if you depend on your, my power in you, you can do it. I believe in you. He said, as the Heavenly Father sent me into the world. Now listen to this. I have sent them into the world. John seventeen eighteen. Now think about it. Jesus trusted the future of the entire world to 12 apostles. And one of them flamed out, so it was only 11, right? These are just normal guys. No high school, no college education. He spends three years with them. And in the end, he says, now you take this good news message to everybody else and you share it to the whole world. Amazing. To Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the other uttermost parts of the earth. I'm trusting you guys. I believe in you. I know you can do this. And so, you know, Jesus goes back to heaven and the angel said, Jesus, you died for all humanity. How are you going to spread that good news? And he says, well, I gave it to those 11 guys to do it. And uh, the angels are going, well, what's your plan B? (laughs) And he says, there is no plan B. I believe in these guys. I know they can do it. I'm going to trust them. And this is what God um, says about you. He says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. He's saying, you can do it. With faith, you can do it. I believe in you. You can do it. Everything is possible for him who believes. With me in your heart and God's Spirit in you, it's all possible. And Jesus wants you to believe in others too. If you, if you have true love for someone, you will always believe in him. 1 Corinthians thirteen seven again. Always expect the best of him and always stand your ground in defending So, if you want to be a world-class lover, you'll accept people the way Jesus accepts you. You'll value others the way Jesus values you. You'll forgive others the way Jesus forgives you. And you'll believe in others 
the way Jesus believes in you. It all grows out of our encounter with Him. You know, Rick Warren tells the story about Fred Craddock. He's a pastor, and one time this pastor, Fred Craddock, quite a famous guy in certain circles, was vacationing in Tennessee, and Fred and his wife were seated at a table in uh, a restaurant, and this old man comes up to ask and just starts up a conversation as he was walking by. He turns and says, you guys on vacation? And uh, Fred said, yes, and we're having a pretty good time. And the old man said, so what do you do for a living? And the guy said, I'm a pre-, uh, Fred said, I'm a preacher. Oh, said the old man, let, let me tell you, let me tell you a, a, a preacher's story. And he sat down by them, and the old man said, I was, he said, I was born an illegitimate child, and I never knew who my father was. And I had a really, really hard time growing up. And I, I became a Christian at an early age, but it really didn't seem to make all that difference because even Christians didn't love me at all. They just ridiculed me. The kids in school made fun of me. Growing up, I didn't have any friends at all. As I walked around in our little town, all I could think about was that they were staring at me and looking at me and saying, I wonder who, who's the father of that boy. And I spent a lot of time by myself. He said, I didn't have any friends. And, but one day a pastor came to town, and I heard through the grapevine that he was a pretty good preacher. So after two or three people said that, I went and saw him and sat down and listened to him. And he was good. And so I kept coming back. But each time I'd come to church, I came in late and leave early, like some of you guys do. Then one Sunday I got so caught up in listening that I didn't, I forgot to leave early and the service ended and the people stood up and I, I, I couldn't get out of the door. And so I, all of a sudden I felt this big hand on my shoulder behind me and I turned around and there was the pastor looking at me and he, he said, what's your name, son? Whose boy are you? Whose son are you? Turned out this pastor knew, found out about him before this happened and this guy said, I just shook when I heard those words, when I heard that question. But before I could say anything, before I could pull away and run, the pastor said this. He said, I know who you are. I know who your family is. You've got a, a distinct family resemblance. You're a son of God. And the man said, you know, those words changed my life. That's the kind of power that love holds. That's the kind of power we can have in other people's lives. And well, the old man got up and he left and a waitress came over a little bit later and she said, do you know who that guy was? And of course, Fred said no. And she said, well, that's Ben Hopper, two-time governor of Tennessee. A man learned he was a child of God and it changed, you know, his whole direction. It changed really his destiny. He learned he was valuable and acceptable and forgivable and capable. And it changed the rest of his life. And all the opinions of other people didn't matter anymore because the only one in the universe whose opinion matters loves me. I know without a doubt that you... Most of you have wounds in your life. You've been hurt, no doubt. There are wounds that come from a sense of rejection by peers and parents and all the other people I've talked about. But I'm here today to say God cares. And I care, and this church cares. You need to make Jesus Christ the most important person in your life 
and start, start filling your mind with what He says. That is the starting point for love. You can't love others until you really know how much God loves you. And so I'll leave you with this, Ephesians 3.18. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love really is. That's how God sees you right there. That's how God loves you. And that's how He wants us to love others. It's not coincidental, I think, that today is Benevolence Sunday when He loves through us in very practical ways, when we contribute to the very needy among us as well as in the community. So if the ushers could come forward, please give generously. Climb out of this boat and then Under the crashing waves To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown Where Jesus is And he's holding out his hand But the waves are calling out my name And they laugh at me Reminding me of all the times I tried before and failed the way they keep on telling me Time and time again Boy, you never win You never win But the voice of truth Tells me a different story The voice of truth Says do not be afraid And the voice of truth Says this is for my glory With just a sling and a stone Surrounded by the sound of a thousand warriors 